Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me, Habakkuk. I realized the other day, so a few weeks back, I realized I'd never read any of Amos at all. And I was like, that's weird, because I'm a pastor, and I've never read any of Amos at all that I know of. Turns out I had, and just didn't realize it. It is quoted in the New Testament. And so I tore up Amos until I knew it frontwards and back, just studied, studied it. And um, then I was looking at Habakkuk, and I realized I'd never read all of Habakkuk. I've read, I knew Habakkuk, I've read some, and I realized I'd never read all of it. It's, y'all, it's only three chapters long. There ain't no excuse to not have read Habakkuk. And uh, it's a little different because there's a lot of like poetic language and stuff in there too. So sometimes those can be kind of hard to understand and whatnot. But um, it's not that hard. So uh, Habakkuk. So go to Habakkuk chapter 1. It's going to be hard to find. It's one of those tiny books in the middle. It's okay to go to your table of contents and look for Habakkuk. Now if you have to do that for Psalms, you need to be in your Bible more. But it's okay to do it for Habakkuk, because it's kind of hidden in there. So I had a problem, because I don't remember which sermon I preached last week, but I know generally which ones have come up. You guys don't remember which sermon I preached last week most of the time either. It was great. It was really good. My pastor preached the best, best sermon last week. Um did it again. Um, we, um, I know a few weeks ago, two, three, four weeks ago, I preached on waiting, being patient. And then the next week I preached on move, right? That was last week? That was Saul, that's right. So, okay, so that was. Now I'm, now I'm putting things together. Um, these are important things for us to remember. So I preached on wait, and then I preached on move, and I just had a problem with that tension, because I was like, do we wait or do we move? And the Lord, he was like, this is what you do, and so this is kind of like a marriage of those things, and I'm pretty excited about it, because this is what the Lord's been speaking to me. Um, Habakkuk chapter 1, this is the way it starts. It's an oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, and this is what it says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for your help, and you will not hear. Have you ever felt that way before? Oh Lord, how long will I cry for your help, and you will not hear? God, are you even listening? Any of you? Or are you guys more spiritual than me? Probably some of you I know are. How long will I cry for help, and you will not hear, or cry to you violence, like God, I see violence going on. There's something wrong going on, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you oddly look at wrong? Like, why are you making me look at things that are breaking my heart? Why are you making, forcing me to see these things that shouldn't be going on? And why are you watching it and doing nothing about it, God? 
And so this whole beginning of Habakkuk is just, God, where are you? Where are you? And so God answers Habakkuk. If you read through this whole thing, there's a lot there. But if you look in verse 6, he says, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. So here's, can I, can I give you some context of this? Is Habakkuk is complaining that Israel, which is God's chosen people, aren't living like God's chosen people. Like these are supposed to be men and women of God who are supposed to be living according to the law and the word and the ways of God and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And he's saying, God, why do you let this go on? I thought you were good. And God says, okay, I'm going to answer you by bringing in an invading nation that will punish Israel for not living for the Lord. Prayer answered. This is, listen, this is not good news. Because things are bad, and now he's saying things are going to get worse. And if you look, Habakkuk then responds to that. So he talks to God a second time, and he complains a second time. And if you look down at the bottom of verse 13, he actually says that, that, he says, why do you oddly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? What are you saying? Okay, God, I see that. Israel's bad, but these guys are worse and you're bringing them in? How was that fair? How was that right? Have you ever felt like you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed? And things still don't go the way you think they should go. Where it's not fair. And man, I've my my two little precious girls, man. Um the thing that they like to say a lot, well, that's not fair. Right? Well, that's not fair. And I I don't know how many times I've quoted my parents. Life's not fair. How, like, how when you're a kid, you hated it when your parents said certain things, and then you come to find out, as a parent, you're going to say those same things. There's no getting around it. Well, well, guess what, kiddo? Life's not fair. But this is not how God responds. Let's go to chapter 2, and this is really where I want to pick up, because here we have Habakkuk in this season of trouble where things aren't going the way he wants them to go. And he finds out it's about to get worse. How does he respond? As a man of God, how does he respond? Because can I tell you, look right here for just a second. Can I tell you how the world responds? If there is a God, how could there be so much evil in the world? And they use that as to prove that there is no God. And that's always so rough because you allow evil in the world too and yet you exist. We all know things like, you know, you, I, I've used this example before. You, you bought a flat screen TV when you could have sent that money to someone in Africa. We all allow evil to go on in some form. Oh, that's not evil. Well, it depends. When, 
when the Bible says evil, when we say evil, we think Hitler. But when the Bible says evil, it just means bad stuff. That, that's, when you see the word evil in the Bible, don't think evil. You, it's, it's just bad. It's just like you lied to your kid that there wasn't any more cookies left, and yet there was two more, and you took them. That's, that's evil according to the Bible. You lied. You're like, oh, now you're preaching against stuff I do. Oh, just wait. No. How does the man of God then respond to this? And he says this. He says, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. That is God. And what I will answer concerning my complaint. I first of all love it that the man of God is just honest with God. Like, it's okay to pray honest prayers to God. It's okay to pray honest prayers to God. But can I say something? If it's okay to pray honest prayers to God, be okay with getting an honest answer and reply. You might not like what you hear next. The same way Habakkuk didn't what stands out to this and if you're taking notes here's kind of the first point of this what i see him do he says i will i will look out to see what he will say to me he's pausing to listen the first thing habakkuk does is listen he doesn't he doesn't just keep complaining and complaining and complaining no he positions himself and he he does this imagery of standing on a wall to look to wait like he positions himself to a place of waiting to watch to see what God will say. And in the midst of whatever the thing is that you're going through, you're like, I'm not sure if I should be waiting or moving or whatever. In the midst of all the turmoil, all the chaos of all of it, are you in the complaining and being honest with God, do you stop and position yourself into a place to listen, to really see what God wants to say to you? Or are you just talking the whole time? We all have that friend that when we hang out with them, they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and you can't get a word in edgewise. Some of you right now are like, talking about me. No, I'm not. Talking about Jamie. No, I'm just kidding. You know, Jamie's like, I knew it was about me. No, she lets me get lots of words in edgewise. Um, We talk and we talk and we don't stop long enough to listen to see what God wants to say to us. And it says in verse 2, it says, The Lord answered me. If we'll stop and wait, the Lord will answer us. Can I say something else, though? He might not answer as fast as you want Him to. I was praying about this this morning, about this part right here, and the Lord, He said this to me. He goes, My silence is not my absence. So you're on the wall and you're waiting for God to answer you and he hasn't said anything yet. And because he hasn't said anything yet, you think he's gone. But his silence is not his absence. He's still around. And I also say this. How many of you guys love McDonald's? 
Robert especially doesn't love McDonald's. All right? No, but how many of you have ever been out to a really nice, fancy restaurant before? Just got like the steak, right? Or I just, I remember going on a cruise once and they had this pasta bowl. I just couldn't get enough of this pasta bowl. The problem was it took them forever to bring it to me. It was my favorite thing on the menu, but it always took forever for it, it to come. You know why? Because it took a little longer to make. Because it wasn't McDonald's. And so we're standing on the wall like, God, answer me. And what we're wanting is McDonald's. And what he's trying to give us is steak. Like, like the best things take time. And so if God hasn't answered you yet, I have a really great suggestion. Just wait a little longer. Just wait a little longer. And I know it's so, like, I'm not preaching something I haven't struggled myself with, especially in the last few weeks. Listen to me. This is not me up here being cavalier and like, just wait a little longer. This is me through, through tears and agony of, of just trial and saying, God, what do I do? And he's just saying, wait a little longer. God, where's your answer? And he's saying, just watch. Just watch and listen and wait a little longer. He says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. And I think it's interesting that he, when God starts to speak, he writes down what God says, right? That's like when our disciple making groups, we ask everyone to bring a notebook, right? Um, Write down what God says to you. When God speaks, it's important enough to take note. I was thinking it's important enough to, and it says so that, so that he may run who reads it. I think it's also important to let other people know when God speaks to you things, because that's accountability. Now, there's some things you shouldn't that's just for you, right? You have to use wisdom on that. But there's a layer of accountability. Even this morning, um, I actually walked back into the office back here and I was praying about something and the Lord spoke something to me. And so I just immediately walked outside and called one of my best friends in the world, Darren Latta. Great dude. I was like, hey, I need, to, I need to tell you something. God is speaking to me just for accountability purposes. And I know it's Sunday morning and they're involved in ministry in their church, but he's a great friend. So he stepped outside and away from what he was doing to listen to me. And, and uh, it was just God speaking something to me and, and someone else needed to know. Sometimes God speaks stuff to you and if you never write it down or you never tell anybody else, it just dies right there because there's no accountability in it. And that's, I think that's the, one of the most powerful things about the disciple-making culture we're trying to build here is that we're not just sitting down and eating and looking each other in the eye, but it's as we're eating, we're talking, and I'm hearing you say things. And as I hear you say things, then two or three weeks later, hey, I remember you said things. Right? And so let me hold you to that. God, God didn't design any of us to walk through this thing alone. You were not designed to walk through this thing alone. A, a body is an important thing. I thought you guys would be more excited about that. 
I really did. A body is an important thing. Um, write it down. Get some accountability. Let other people know what's going on with you, what God is speaking to you. Verse 3, it says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. So he's going to give him a vision and write it down. But he says, For still the vision waits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Does anyone else feel like part of that is opposite of each other? I'm going to read it again. The vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. That's good. It's, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. If it seems slow, it's not because it's delayed, right? It's because it's coming when it's supposed to come. It's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. Not according to your McDonald's time, but according to his time. Wait for it. Wait for it. And I, I love this word, this word appointed time in the Hebrew um, is the Greek word, or not Greek word, sorry, Hebrew word. It can't be a Greek word, right? It's Hebrew. Uh, it's the Hebrew word moed. It's spelled M-O-E-D, moed. Say moed. Say moed. Look at the person next to you and say moed. And then look at the other person near you and tell them to wake up. The thing about moed, the appointed time, is one, you can't force it to happen, and two, you can't stop it from happening. I'll say it again. One, you can't force it to happen, and two, you can't stop it from happening. And, and that's severely an issue in my own life. I, I, I love to make things happen. Right? I want things to happen. I want them to happen my way and in my time. And the Lord says, you can't force this to happen. And once it starts happening, you can't stop it. Um, a great example of this, um, I was reading a book uh, this last week. I've been trying to read a book a week. It's hard to do, gosh. Um, but uh, Hope in the Dark by Craig Rochelle. Um, I don't necessarily recommend it. It's a super, super heavy book. Um, but in it, he describes uh, this word right here, this appointed time, as in childbirth. Now, I personally have never had a baby. But I've seen a couple be born. And the thing about childbirth is when it's time to happen, it happens. And he describes the moment, uh, in the book, he describes the moment where, and you've probably heard stories similar to this before. We've all seen the YouTube videos. and one, Oh, maybe you haven't seen the YouTube videos of it. But of he's there in the, you know, the, they're trying to drive to the hospital and the baby's coming. So just pull over and have the baby right there. Why? Because it was time. And his situation, they were in the hospital already, in the room, and, and, they were going to get the epidural. The doctor left to go get the epidural. And his wife said, no, it's time right now. This is her third kid. It's time right now. He said, let me go get the doctor. She said, nope. You get down there and catch this thing, right? It was time. There was no waiting for the doctor. Guys, that's Moed. That's the appointed time. 
that when it's time to happen, it happens. When it's time to happen, it happens. You know what's crazy is I was actually sitting in the parking lot out here reading that section of the book. It was on Monday night for our disciple-making group. I walked inside, and my best friend called me like not long after that. He said, hey, I need you to pray for my brother Derek. Um, his wife was 36 weeks pregnant. Guess what? It was time. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Is this God trying to speak to me or what? He's like, yeah, I mean, uh, dilated to a nine, any moment kind of thing, like whatever is going on. I was like, this is crazy. So I wait all night to hear something. Guess what? It wasn't time. 32 hours later. 32 hours of labor. 32 hours later, little Samuel Ezra was finally born. Mawade. When it's time, it will happen. When it's not time, it won't happen. And whatever the thing is in your life, like, God, do it now. He's saying you got to wait for it to be time. And it might come earlier than you think, and it might delay. But if it delays, it's not delayed because it's still his appointed time. Say, Mawade. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. That's in the New Testament. It's a little easier to find. If you have a good Bible, it's page 1,564. Jamie preached on this Wednesday night, and I thought I could do better, so. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Galatians 6, sorry. Galatians 6, chapter 9, she preached on it, and she always, the last several weeks I've been preaching on things that have been messing with me, and I can't get away from it, is what it is. And so this was in my heart, it was heavy in my heart, the Lord was pressing it upon me. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says this, you've heard this before, it says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Say, don't give up. Say, don't give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. I think this is really cool because uh, I, this is not part of my sermon, but I'm going to preach anyway. Like, we're supposed to help people. It's good if, if, if people come in, uh, need and help with different things. We're supposed to help them. But, but according to this verse, you know who we're really especially supposed to help? The household of faith. If you need help, we help you, especially the household of faith. Anyway, that's why you should be part of a good church. Um, if you go back in the verses before this, he's telling you that whatever you sow, you will reap. And for you who don't know what that word means, um, maybe some of you kiddos, sow means like you plant something in the ground. Reap is when you harvest the fruit. So whatever you sow, you will reap. It says in verse 8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So there's this whole concept of whatever you plant, that's what you're going to get back. This is the thing. 
But remember, we're talking about the spirit and the flesh. We're not talking about what other people do to you. This is not karma. It's not the same thing as karma. Karma is not biblical. All right? We believe in grace. We believe in love. This is not the same as karma. This is you sowing to your own flesh and your own desires, and you're going to reap destru- destruction. But if you sow into your spirit, you can reap things. You can reap peace that surpasses understanding because everything and everyone around you is treating you like trash, but you've been sowing into your spirit and you have perfect peace because your mind has stayed upon him. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's what this is talking about here. But this is what gets me on this whole thing because it says, and let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season. When? And due season, what's it say up there? Does it say due season up there? At the proper time. So this right here, that word proper time, it's one word in the Greek. And it's a word you know, some of you, it's the word kairos. It means the time when God wanted to happen. It's, get this, so, so they translated the Old Testament into Greek. In fact, the oldest versions of the Old Testament we have actually are in Greek, not Hebrew. Um, it's called the Septuagint. And in the Greek, when you go back to Habakkuk, when it says the appointed time, the Greek word there is kairos. Like it's this happening of in this time, it's the moed, it's the kairos. It's you can't force it early, you can't delay it. It'll happen when God wants to happen. Here it says, let's not get tired of doing good for we'll reap at the proper time, at the moed, at the kairos, if we don't give up. If we don't give up, if we keep sowing, if we keep standing on the wall and watching and waiting and listening. What, what I like here, if you look in this verse, it says uh, doing good. Go to verse 10. In verse 10, I hope you're seeing what I'm saying. You're not. Okay, sorry. Verse 10. Uh, here, here it says we must work for good of all. Um, work for good of all. In the ESV, it says doing good do good so let me read it out of mine here it says let us not grow weary of doing good and you go to verse 10 it says as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone so this is doing good and do good doing good and do good or here it says doing good and work for good and all this kind of like language going on now here's what's crazy is in the greek those are not the same words at all in my bible it's do good doing good it's like the same two words but That's not what it is. In verse 9, go back to verse 9 for a second. When it says this, so let's not get tired of doing good. That word doing actually means to make or create. That's the nuance of it. Now, it means doing good. I don't want to like, I haven't discovered some amazing new thing. Every translation out there is going to say doing good. It's translated right. But the nuance behind this is creating or making. Let us not get tired of of creating or making or manufacturing good. And that word good there isn't really good. That word good is something that is beautiful, appealing, or handsome. So let's not get tired of creating beauty. Let's not get tired of of making things appealing, making good. Like, like, it's like a work, something you get to do. 
for we will reap at that kairos moed moment if we don't give up. Like, don't get tired. Don't give up. I, 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 co- I, I coach cross country, and there's something I know about a race is that you won't finish if you stop. That's really deep. I know it doesn't sound deep, but it's really deep. I know you won't finish if you stop. And when I run, and when I teach my runners to run, I teach them to only run as far as the next curve. Like, just do, just be faithful to the part you can see right here. And once you get to that curve, then you worry about the next part. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, don't worry about tomorrow right? Don't worry about tomorrow. The verse before that, he actually says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put your eyes on the kingdom of God and don't worry about tomorrow. Just just be faithful for the thing that's in front of you right now. Because what's crazy is you might miss him away. You might miss a Kairos moment so busy looking down the way. God, I want that thing. And God's trying to do things around you and you're missing them completely because you're so concerned on what you don't have yet. And he's trying to manifest the kingdom of God right where you're at. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the person next to you. I, this is a real thing. And God really, like, like, I really believe with all my heart that we're on revival's doorstep. And some of us, the reason we haven't got there is we're so busy daydreaming about what revival will be that we don't realize that it's trying to be birthed right now. Let us not grow weary of creating beauty of making things appealing and handsome for at the proper time and then due season we will reap if we do not give up so then as we have every opportunity let us do good to everyone and this do good is just like this it's working it's laboring for good just good things work at good work at good whatever you find yourself in any situation just work at good and that situation what is the purpose of all things the purpose of all things is to bring glory to god so in me and everything i'm trying to do i'm trying to bring glory to god in everything i do and you should write that one down i need to be i need to bring glory to god and everything I do, and you have to ask yourself, and I know I preached this last week, I know I did, I remember that, I don't remember everything I said last week, I do remember this, that in everything I do, I'm trying to bring glory to God, in every moment that I'm living in, and if I, says, does, if I say, does this thing bring glory to God, and the answer is no, then I should stop. Everything about God is good. Everything. So look at your favorite person and say, God is good. Now look at your second favorite person in the room. And say, you were second favorite. <laughs> and say, God is really good. There's no one said it. They're like, I'm not going to admit who my second favorite person is. Psalm 145, it says this, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works, even for Habakkuk. Listen. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He can 
be trusted. Listen to me. God can be trusted. I'm going to say it again. God can be trusted. And, and, and here's, here's what, why some of you are so frustrated with God all the time. Because you only trust in what God does. And God is asking you to trust in who He is. I don't just trust what God does. I actually trust His character. I trust who He is. And so real faith isn't God do something for me. I won't believe in you anymore. I won't follow you anymore. That's not faith. Real trust is trusting in His character and who He is. And no matter what happens around me, God, I will follow you. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. All things are for God. They're all created for Him, for His glory. And in 2 Corinthians 5.15, which is just a couple verses before 17, which we all love to quote so much, it says, And He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but him who for their sake died and was raised. For their sake was died and raised. Here's the thing. God wants to break into your life. God wants to come into your life. And he wants to change who you are. And what's really good is that like, it doesn't matter how you feel about the change. Listen, it doesn't matter how you feel. Something I said to my friend this morning on the phone, I said, you know what's weird is, is I made a decision that this needed to change and the feelings followed later. So, so Mark 1.15, let's go there because it's a big deal. Mark 1.15, it says, the time is fulfilled. Guess what that word time is? It's kairos, right? It's the moed. It's the happening of God. The time is here. This is Jesus talking. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. God has come close to you. It says, repent and believe the gospel. That word repent is the Greek word met- metaneo, to change your mind, to change your mind, not your feelings, just to change your mind about it. So anything I see in the Word of God, I change my mind. I believe what the Word says, even if I don't feel like it. And what's crazy is your feelings will follow your faith. Hopefully, eventually. And if they don't, then just keep having faith and believing. Anytime I see something in this Word, I believe the Word over my feelings. Uh, The Scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. I don't trust my feelings. I certainly don't trust your feelings. Well, you just don't know how that made me feel. I'm not, I don't think we should, I'm not saying we trivialize other people's feelings. We still listen to other people's feelings. We care, we care and we're concerned about people's feelings. We just don't live our life according to them. Right? That, that's one thing that we always want to highlight, especially when we're making disciples. As people start expressing their feelings, we listen. 
we listen so that we can look for those Kairos moments for God to break in and use what He wants to glorify Himself in their situation. Turn with me to Matthew 27, and this is where I'm going to be landing the plane today. Well, uh, for the sake of transparency, it's also going to be Psalm 22, but it's Jesus' fault. He's quoting it. Zach, yeah, you can come on up, man. I think it's always important every time we get together. It, it, I'm here talking about the timing of the Lord. It doesn't help us if we don't talk about Jesus and his redemptive work on the cross. Um, I think we should always talk about what Jesus did every time we come together. I've heard a lot of motivational speeches from pulpits and Jesus not mentioned. I think that's a travesty. But this is what it says. In verse 35, it says, And when they crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put a, the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one to his right, one on the left. And those who passed by, derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And that's true. Jesus, I think Eddie said it this morning. He could have just said, I'm done. Supernatural power. Off the cross he goes. But what did he do? He endured the cross. He endured the cross. Like, even Jesus had to wait for the Moed. Are, are you with me? Even Jesus had to wait for that Kairos moment. The appointed time. And now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And underline this. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Say so he cried aloud. 
I think it says in my version, he cried out. He cried out. This has always bothered me. Because the scripture says that he will never leave us or forsake us. And here's Jesus hanging on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you go to the 22nd Psalm, you'll find that Jesus was actually quoting this. And I think He said it on purpose because He wanted Matthew and those who were standing there with Him to realize something bigger was happening. That prophecy was being fulfilled in that moment. It almost sounds like Habakkuk. It almost sounds like Job. It almost sounds like these guys... God, where are you? And in Psalm 22, this is the Psalm of David, he says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groanings? Oh God, my God, I, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Verse 7 says, All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me and they wag their heads. Does it sound familiar? We just read that in Matthew. Verse 8, He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver Him. Let Him rescue Him. For He delights in Him. Verse 14 says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaw. You lay me in the dust of death. And as we read this, we realize this entire 22nd Psalm is a prophecy of the Messiah hanging on the cross. Verse 16, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and glow over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, do not be far off. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. And we see a turn here. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. There's a change. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All 
of your offspring of Jacob. Glorify him and stand in awe of him, all of your offspring of Israel. And then get this, I would circle 24. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. He heard when he cried to him. I've always heard that when Jesus was on the cross, that God turned his face from Jesus. But if Psalm 22 is a reflection of Matthew 27, even that Jesus quotes it, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then at the end, with with a voice, he cries out and gives up his spirit. It says that he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard him when he cried to him. Like, Like God heard Jesus. I mean... Jesus is God, but but he heard him. He heard him. Why? Because 27 tells us all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. It's all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. And so if we go back to Habakkuk's conclusion of everything, and you stand with me. This is, this is the way Habakkuk ends. He says in verse 17 of chapter 3, this is the very end of his whole thing. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. Does this sound like some of the situations you're walking through? Financially, relationally, physically, emotionally, like whatever it is. Does this sound like you? Though the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off from the fold, And there's no herd in the stalls. Everything is bad. Everything is wrong. There's no goodness anywhere. And he says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take my joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Like, this is anything good that's going on in my life. It's Him who's doing it. He's the one who makes me strong. He's my strength. It wasn't, it turns out it had nothing to do with the flocks. It had nothing to do with the herd. It wasn't the fig tree. It wasn't the olives. Like, that wasn't my strength. All this time, I thought it was everything around me that produced in my life. But it turns out the entire time, it was the Lord. It It wasn't your relationship. It wasn't your bank account. All the things you think were your strength, that wasn't it the whole time. It is the Lord because those things can be taken away like that. 
But the Lord, He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And this is where we live. This is where our hope lies. He is the God of my salvation. And even death can't hold Him down. So if He can beat death, and it wrecked me this morning singing about the, the empty tomb. If even death can't hold Him down, whatever you're walking through doesn't freak Him out either. Wait. Wait for the appointed time. Wait. He will move. He will not delay. It will come. Just be faithful. Glorify God where you find yourself today. He is your strength. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love and your goodness and your grace. That while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. God, in the deepest places of our hearts, Lord, let us be surrendered to you. Lord, not just out where everyone sees us, but in the secret places of our hearts. God, let us make the decision to trust who you are and surrender to you. God, let us not be a people who worship our feelings. Who worship our circumstances. Who worship the figs and the herds. If you have family or someone close to you, just put your arm around them or put your hand on their shoulder. I just want you to start to pray for them. I know I said this is the sermon was for you, but it was also, I guess, for the person next to you. And just we just begin to pray for them that they would trust the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.